0: be no moaning <laughs> there will be no moaning i told you if i was doing a third podcast there'd be no moaning that was my rule welcome that was to the, the policy
1: <laughs> welcome to the no Moan negotiation <laughs> podcast um this is the first episode of a of a new of a new mini-series hmm. well, i don't even know if it's a mini-series it's kind of its own thing it's I think
0: a, it's a uh, this is the thing i'm calling it a mini-series because um i uttered the words third podcast and <laughs> and my partner said what a third what so um so That's yeah the third mini- <laughs> the third podcast. yeah so yeah. mini series i think is is necessary
1: it's its own podcast how, how about- but it's a mini podcast yeah
0: how about how about limited series
2: like that? Just give it that limited real upscale series. vibe. Mm. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: Limited series.
2: Mm. Yeah. OK, great. This is an HBO ass podcast. It is an
0: HBO ass <laughs> podcast. Going to be deleted off all the servers.
2: Yeah. <laughs> you know what? OK, it has to be limited series and not anthology series, because if it's an anthology series, then you're thinking like FX and like American Horror Story. And we want to mm-hmm. we're shooting for something mm-hmm. a little higher, a little higher brow
0: than that. Absolutely. We are, absolutely. Yeah, much more sex than, mm.
1: yeah. for example. We, we, we've consulted the auguries, and we reckon it's a limited series.
0: From his we'll use of the some, word augury, yeah, you will know that we are going to be talking about uh,
1: the HBO, TV, HBO BBC TV series, or series uh, Rome, from 2007, I think was the first season. Am I getting that right? I think. This about, is a, it's this, about that area. This oh, a really, this is a really
0: mine. good intro. I'm really pleased with yeah. what we've what we've done here. It's, <laughs> oh yeah, it's it's slick, it's, it's tight, it's clean. Stuff. We're pros. We all know what we're doing.
1: Yeah, absolutely right. So look, if, uh, it's me, Milo Edwards. I'm joined by Phoebe Roy and Patrick Wyman. How are we all doing?
0: Doing good.
2: Doing great. Oh, great! Having having some real flashbacks to mm. the first time I was watching this when I was just blasted out of my mind on Miller High Life, <laughs> uh, <laughs> sitting in a, sitting in the one uh, roommate's door uh, roommate's room in college who who paid the extra to get HBO. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, like because he had money and none of the rest of us did. So like and obviously the money was not going into beer. So mm. I just remember being like seven High Lifes deep on a Monday night trying to watch the first episode of this show and then falling asleep on a futon. Mm. Beautiful.
1: I'd like to say yeah, that the way a, I watched it this time was that different.
2: But
1: <laughs> <laughs> I was just falling asleep without even having had anything to drink. That was, you know, just tired.
2: Didn't even need the champagne of beers for that.
1: I know, I know. It's tough. Um, so this this show has come about through sort of popular, popular demand. Um, mm. for, those, for those who aren't familiar, uh, Phoebe and I do a podcast about Seinfeld. But we both uh, have uh, various stripes of classics degrees. And Patrick does a podcast about history. Um, and so he's more obviously qualified to talk about such things. And, so
0: he's here as our dad.
1: Yeah. <laughs> our legal father adopted. Yeah. Um, Legally, morally,
0: emotionally, yeah, he's yeah. our dad.
1: In order to progress our careers, we're getting adopted into a historian family. Yeah. Because um, it opens up different <laughs> kinds of political opportunities for
0: us. Yeah, and uh, the and the document saying so is all sealed up nicely, and it's in the charge of the Vestal Virgins, and no one's allowed to look at it.
1: That's correct. Perfect. Yeah. Um. And so, uh, we're you know the the we're, we're emitting the smoke from the chimney that says a new a new podcast is born.
2: <laughs> um, and
1: yeah. uh, it's it's going to be about Rome. We're going to be going through the episodes of both seasons of Rome, and we're going to be talking about classic shit. That's mm-hmm. the yeah, we're that's in our classics right.
0: era. We are. We're not. We're not Rome era.
1: Yeah, none. None of this. None of this Byzantine shit. None of this. No. no. <laughs> none Lala. of this late. Like, none of this Holy Roman Empire, papal state shit. That's not what we're about.
0: No.
2: So, no. This is. This is. This is some real golden age stuff. Like, if you're, if there's a Roman character that you've ever heard of, like, that's mm. going to be somebody that we're talking about. Like, like, bitch ass Cicero. Yeah, Can be in He's there. He's in there, baby. He's in
0: there. He's in there being a bitch ass.
1: Cato's in there. <laughs> He's wearing a different color toga to everyone else.
0: Which which Cato is it? Is it supposed to be the younger? It's it the younger, the, yeah. Because yeah. yeah. Cato the elder, Cato yeah. the censor, right?
2: Yeah, Cato the Cato the elder, long dead. Yeah, Cato Cato the elder, the the Cartago delenda est.
0: But there no. are also some Follow. characters in this show that are either long dead or should have died for like. Much yes sooner than the characters actually do. So I am just checking yeah that they haven't just installed a an extraneous queso. You <laughs> hate I, that.
2: They definitely they definitely the the vibes of the, of the Cato the younger in here are definitely um Cato the elder vibes. Mm, yeah. Um, you you mm. get a sense that this is a man who would enjoy a Punic agricultural treatise. Mm-hmm. Like that's that's very mm. much the 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 energy you get from him, and that's very much a Cato the elder thing. Yeah, I mean, it says a
1: lot about Cato the Younger that my primary memory of Cato the Younger from studying him is largely just like even Cicero being like, God, this guy goes on a bit.
2: (laughs) (laughs) He's a a bit of a bore.
0: Yeah, he was (laughs) a bore. Could
2: could you imagine how much of a bore you'd have to be for Cicero to think you were a bore? I know. That is incredible levels of douchebaggery Mm. in the first century B.C.
0: It is, yeah.
1: I know. All they had was going on a bit. There were no limited series then.
0: Although having to, well, Cicero invented podcasting. No, I will not be elaborating. <laughs>
1: the live podcast. <laughs> I will not In be elaborating Katerina on that. Is technically a gossip podcast.
0: Okay, tell me how it isn't.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Call the her f- Parter. <laughs> the-
0: like the Philippics is right. like a tra- Like it's like a trash talk gossip. Podcast, mm. it is. Yeah, no, I'm
1: kind kind of with you there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fine.
0: Also, I could imagine Cicero finding other people boring. It's the Philippics, isn't that? Isn't that
1: Lysias? No, that Cicero? Cicero. did the Philippics. That's Cicero. The, oh, it? The,
0: the the big the big attack uh document against Mark Antony was the Philippics,
1: right? Okay, yeah. Okay, yeah. I'm mis I'm misremembering. I'm thinking of there's some other there's subtitle. Some other Mark
0: Antony's a little bitch.
1: <laughs> That's right.
2: <laughs> Cicero would have made an insane living as a hashtag resistance guy in 2017. Yes, like oh. that would have been. He would have wheelhouse that. The man would have his own MSNBC show. Mm. Yeah, like probably a private. Uh, he would have a Substack for sure. Oh, for, mm. like, for sure.
1: No, yeah, yeah, yeah,
2: no question
0: about but that. A he subscription
1: box to pizza of his day,
0: but would definitely, <laughs> but would definitely be later disgrace for getting his dick out on Zoom. Oh,
2: yeah, mm. no question. That's, big that's big Jeffrey Cicero. Tobin energy. Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's the, Cicero that's just going, ah, oh, you can't have
1: Diogenes these days.
0: <laughs> I think that he would have found other people boring because they weren't him. Uh, okay. I could imagine that. Mm. Yeah, I could imagine that.
2: There's a, like, not to get all sociological for a minute, but there's a way in which incredible narcissism is just hardwired into the Roman elite mm-hmm. viewpoint. Mm. And like, so from that perspective, I absolutely think that's right. Just the, the idea that you you spend your entire life surrounded by people who are telling you yes mm-hmm. and helping you do things and like allowing you to hit them in the face when they dis when, when they displease you, like, of course you're going to find other people boring. Mm. Mm. Yeah. I
0: think that's, I think that's um, completely persuasive actually.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, they do, they do just live in a kind of stratosphere. It's like a different type of guy. I mean, we, we're going to get into this. So, I think what I'll do is I'll start off with the, I'll, I'll read out the potted summary, which is like two sentences uh, from, from Wikipedia, the free encyclopedia. Um, so, we're season one, episode one, The Stolen Eagle. Uh, now, if my, it's quite, the, the screen's quite far away from me. So do I'm you gonna want to me to read best. it? Do you want to read okay. it?
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay.
1: <laughs> yeah, my eyes are fucked. Just okay, a bit so of background uh, color for the listener. So,
0: Grandpa Milo can't see. So, he's sort of trying to squint. Um, so I will be reading. I'll be reading the right. uh, the two sentence summary. Um, As the wars and Gaul finally come to an end, Caesar is faced with both triumph and tribulation. I think this is editorializing. Mm-hmm. I don't think you can. I don't think you can say with any confidence that he faces triumph and tribulation. <laughs> Why can't I just have triumph? <laughs> Who wants
1: tribulation? I <laughs> oh, want a war in Gaul. That was the tribulation.
0: Right, that was one sentence. Yeah, you let okay. me get through, okay? <laughs> <laughs> On the heels of his victory comes news of his daughter's death. That's his daughter, Julia. Um, mm. She is important. Uh, rewarded interesting
1: with the- name choice. I wonder where he got that from. Sorry? I said interesting name
0: choice. Rewarded with the adulation of the people, he also garners the enmity of powerful opponents and former friends. In Rome, Pompey the Great must balance honour and politics as he is urged to betray an ancient rival and recent friend. Attia of the Julii, who is... Um, who is Caesar's niece? Yes, yes. niece, yeah. Uh, tries to steer her family on the dangerous path between the growing divisions of power and in the Gallic countryside two unlikely allies must reclaim that which Caesar has lost.
1: This is this is written like a riddle, this it summary. It is,
0: yeah. <laughs> um,
1: yeah. Okay, for greater clarity, what? yeah, the wars going on in Gaul uh, basically... Uh, uh, we we meet Lucius Renus and Titus Pullo, uh, who are the two kind of soldier characters in the show. Mm. Uh, Titus Pullo gets in trouble for breaking the line uh, during the, this little battle that they have, and gets thrown in the stockade, basically. Um, and then in the in the meantime, the standards get stolen. Um and uh, Lucius Renus' is tasked with getting them back, and so he he chooses Titus Pillow to help him on the basis that Titus Pillow is fucked either way. So this impossible task is fine.
0: Do, do we need to clarify that it's not an actual eagle that is lost?
1: Okay, right. So <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> is that something we need to? Watching, was, I was watching it, this it,
1: show with a lady, and she was like, "Oh, it's a gold eagle." I thought it was a live eagle. I was like, "How would that go on top of the thing?"
2: Maybe it's really well trained
1: yeah, like it roosts it, it roosts, hurt. It roosts yeah. up at the top of there that yeah. would be cool Yeah, yeah
0: that would be, that would be sick
1: carrying a live eagle into battle.
0: Although I mean I suppose you can't really stop it from flying away cuz they can mm. fly. Like, yeah, they get spooked. Yeah, they I, I don't think an eagle would care for a battle particularly. Mm. No. Particularly not. It, I mean, battling like, could
2: you could you like breed a like a, a warrior eagle that is very comfortable with those things? Like you get like you the way that you train a war horse, you've got an eagle that's just oh, like yeah. no matter what's going on around him, he's going to be sitting up on the pole just just chilling. Mm. Like I don't, I don't know. know. Is that but is that within the realm of
0: possibility? I honestly I don't know. Like, I don't know whether or not eagles are even trainable or tameable or I even so- a
1: sword around next to an eagle and yelling just to get it used to the idea.
0: I know some I know some birds of prey are tameable and trainable, but I don't know if an eagle is. Uh
2: I believe the uh people of the steppe train golden eagles. Ah. Yes. No, I, I believe. Su- no,
0: I saw a thing about um about the e- like the eagle hunters of the steppe. Yeah. And it showed them like training the kids on how to like summon back the eagles. It's the coolest <laughs> fucking thing. Um but i don't i don't know if they could i don't know if they could have done that then i'm um, in fact i don't even know if it would have been a golden eagle presumably not
2: we're getting re- we're getting really
1: deep into the eagle. We're getting into the here. weeds yeah, of yeah, the, the eagle yeah. law. Yeah, okay. having having chosen this subject for the podcast on the basis of it, it's something we all know about, we've immediately gotten into something we don't <laughs> know about, which is the yeah, trainability me, of eagles.
2: Yeah, let me let me just quote a uh, uh, let me let me just quote a National Geographic documentary about eagles that I watched while just really stoned seven years ago. And, like that's that's the quality of content that everybody is looking for here. Mm-hmm. Oh, a
1: hundred percent. That's exactly what we're after. We need to we need to get some Uzz beck guests on to talk about the trainability <laughs> of eagles
2: absolutely yeah like tell me about the fergana valley tell me about what kind of roosting patterns we've got there mm, absolutely
0: i actually i really want to know about all of this stuff i now have and i have this vision of like caesar's head of procurement okay, look, you saying- can pause the podcast
1: <laughs> and listen to another podcast about
0: eagle training
1: in the steppe peoples of central asia like you can do that we got
2: to a- we got to find a Scythian with a, with a real nice um, hmm. like flock of eagles. Is would it be a flock? Is that the term yeah, you would I use would to refer to a, a cre- flock? Yeah, yeah, like hmm. a, a a guy with a thriving eagle business operating out of the uh, the Transcaspian area. Yeah, like
0: eagles hmm. are us.
2: Yeah, yeah, okay. mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
0: yeah. We buy eagles.
2: <laughs> the you want <laughs> <go> to
0: <laughs> you wanna go to an eagle pawn shop? Mm. Yeah, I like the idea of Caesar having like a head of procurement who says mm-hmm. like, okay, so. Turns out, can't get eagles to remain in a battle. Can I interest you in a kestrel or maybe a kite? <laughs> <laughs> He's got like a northerner. I've got kestrel. I've got a kestrel.
1: I've
0: got, <laughs> uh, um, got a kestrel. They will stay put no matter what's happening around them. They can't be bothered to move. They're just too lazy. Got loads of ferrets. Ferrets? Why? Oh, ferrets? they're savage
1: ferrets. I tell you, what, the goals won't like a ferret up. I well, you can't
0: that? have a battle ferret.
1: Battle! <laughs> <laughs> I tell you what, if it gets up your trousers, you won't be laughing.
0: Tell you what, that will be a battle. <laughs> <laughs> Let's oh.
1: see how tough working Geterix is with a ferret hanging off his jacket.
2: <laughs> I'm just right, imagining okay. a guy tra- traveling around with this menagerie. There's there's puffins in there. Like what? Are you, like what's supposed to do with a puffin? Like this? Mm. The, nobody's afraid of a puffin. No, that's true. This actually sounds quite
1: uneccentric by the standards of Roman generals and the sort of things they would take with them. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. No, I could, I could see that working. Yeah. Anyway, so the, the, they're looking for the eagle. They
0: should have had a goose.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, the, the Romans have got a whole thing about fucking geese, haven't they? The sacred yeah. geese and the yeah. I've, t-
0: I've, I've told, I've told you this. Uh, I don't know how apocryphal it is. Um, Patrick will be familiar with the story <clears> that uh, it was geese up on the capital that repelled an invasion of Rome while the guard dogs slept. So then Mm. after that, once a year, they would have a little ceremony where they would get some dogs and crucify them. Mm -hmm. Um, And just to make it even like more kind of baroque as a celebration. That's actually dog Jesus. (laughs) That's that's dog (laughs) Jesus. As we have have discussed about whether or not there is dog Jesus, that was dog Jesus, except there were loads Mm -hmm. of them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but there has to be because there are like more dogs. Implies
1: the existence of dog Barabbas. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's like a Pomeranian that's, who was released.
0: That's right, <laughs> a robbing Pomeranian. <laughs> um, yeah, and so just to just to make this already like baroque and macabre ceremony even more peculiar, mm-hmm. what they would do is they would get some geese and they would put them on silken cushions. And bring them to watch the crucifixions. Mm-hmm. Um, to like, it does
1: sound like the sort of thing a goose would enjoy. In fairness, oh,
0: probably. <laughs> yeah. But to like they're to, quite pra- a to, to <laughs> praise the geese and to praise their ge- the geese's ancestors, uh, and to bring them to, to witness the punishment of the dogs. So you mm. could you could take a you could take a goose into battle.
2: Mm. Absolutely. The, pro- yeah, the goose pro- goose are
0: they're aggressive. But I don't know if you could trust them not to change sides.
2: Yeah, they're—I mean, they're—you, those, those bitches can't be trusted. No. That's number one. I—I um, I had a, a Peruvian Spanish teacher when I was fourteen who told us a harrowing story about him getting attacked by a goose. Like, you cannot trust the goose. <laughs> don't turn your back on the goose. Is like th- this, and I mean. it had never occurred to me as a 14 year old taking first year Spanish that like a goose could attack you or that that was going to be a story through which you learned the Spanish language. Mm. But look, there we are. Um, Okay. So the, the and macabre bit, Mm. um, not to get too far off our plot summary, but that's the thing that I think I like the most Mm. about this whole show is that it's just weird as shit. And it really leans into that. Yeah. Mm. Like that all of that, you really feel like you're in some very strange world where people do things for reasons that are not entirely clear to you, mm. which is I, I think exa- like one at least one part of what a TV show that's set in any sort of historical period has to nail. Yeah. You have to feel like you're in some sort of weird fantasy world that, that feels stranger than like Lord of the Rings or something, which yeah. is just, you know, Tolkien's imagination.
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean, because one of the things that just really, really got me on the rewatch, Um I was saying this to Patrick before we started recording, Because when I first saw this, this was when I was like, I just started post grad. So, like all baby post grads, I thought I knew everything about everything, Mm. and it just—you got
1: that goose thing in the back. I did,
0: yeah, yeah, I did. Like I was a little baby goose, and like, um, and like all. Uh, sorry the like the absolute worst possible thing that could happen was there being a kind of well received and popular tv show about the specific subject that i was working on mm. because then i could just be like just like the like the like the biggest pain in the ass about it so like so we'd be like watching it and like me and my repulsive little friends would be sort of sitting around going uh well uh that's wrong for a kickoff and we would really enjoy it, um, but it wouldn't make us very enjoyable viewing companions. And I thought
1: writing to the producers of Rome going, not enough dog crucifixions.
0: <laughs> well, I mean call yourself a TV station. They're not enough gooses on silken cushions either. Mm. Um but so I so I thought, okay, well rewatching it now, I'm really excited to I'm really excited to rewatch it. Um, but I think I'll be able to m- like much more think of it in terms of like, okay, this is like this is a kind of televised version of it and like mm. like obviously it's got its entertainment value and I completely agree with what you're saying, Pat, about like about like the kind of the the, the, the otherworldliness of it and how like what a necessary aspect. But my two big objections thus far mm-hmm. first is that the acting is incredibly patchy. So like some people are giving the most like like Kieran Hines is such a brilliant choice for Caesar because like Caesar himself was a kind of spare bony kind of kind of guy. And Kieran Hines is a great big, great big fellow that looks like a bull. And you mm-hmm. wouldn't you wouldn't like automatically think of him if you were casting Caesar. But it's like it's like he, you
1: yeah, know, they could have had like Stephen Merchant or something.
0: I would not care for that. <laughs> I would not care for that at all. Um yeah, cool. Stephen Merchant wouldn't make b wouldn't make a bad Cicero if they were trying mm. to kind of lean into the into the kind of the comedy side. Mm. Um Yeah. John
1: Burkow as C yeah. <laughs> for God's
0: sake. Um yeah, but um but he does this kind of sort of barely contained chaos and fury which Caesar must like sort of must have had. I think he does that very, very well. And then we've got this little like snotty eaten shit playing Octavian who can't act at all. Oh, and yeah. every time he says anything, it kicks you right out of the narrative. Um and then we've got um and then we've got Attia who is um Octavian and Octavia's mother and uh Caesar's niece who is playing it like I can only describe it as um like if they decided to make a kind of like Gritty origin story of like Carry On Caesar, she's playing it like that. She's doing this kind of high camp, um, like high camp lady villain, um, uh, expression of the of the character.
1: Yeah, I mean P- Polly Walker as Atia is um that that was that was a formative milf moment. Oh yeah, no, no, Hikane. she's <laughs> a, she's an u- she's yeah, an ultra milf. That was I mean I remember like being at school and our Latin teacher like ordering us to watch this show. Have it like the night it came out. So she has not seen the show. And we all came back in the next day, like, yeah, well, we definitely watched that. Yeah, well, and we'll I will be watching, and I will be watching it again. <laughs> yeah. Because I saw so much more of Polly Walker's ass and tits than my sort of 13 year old self could have possibly hoped.
0: Yeah. So Atia is the matron I'd like to fuck, right? That's, <laughs> that's what we're saying. That's right. Yeah. That's what we're saying. So she's playing in this kind of high camp villain voice um, Octavia is um, Octavia she genuinely
1: was- has the energy of like a porn stepmom. yeah she does she's like literally teaching her daughter how to fuck at one point yeah. like it's like the most powerful porn hub algorithm energy
0: yeah yeah because oh, Octavia's yeah. really annoying anyway Octavia is one of the most annoying characters in history I think like every time you read anything about Octavia you're like yeah but you fucking suck don't you like mm. so you just suck like I un- I understand like that the uh that the routes and options for even Roman noble women mm-hmm. were like limited. They were severely limited and I do understand that. But she didn't have to be such quite such a little whiny martyr, did she? Was that necessary? Didn't have to. No. But she could have been you could you could like you could go down the Fulvia route if you wanted to. You could go down <laughs> the Livia route. You could go down the um oh god, what was her name? What was the real name of the woman who Catullus based lesbian on?
1: Oh, um, fuck! Mm. Not Claudia.
0: Claudia. Claudia. Yeah. yeah, go. Yeah. Down, you can go Claudia. down the Claudia route. Like mm. there were that. Like if you were a noble Roman woman, there were some options to be just a bit more fun. That's mm-hmm. all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. Yes. Octavia was not fun.
2: No, absolutely not. I mean, the the Octavian thing kills me because he's like, you can see why he's in the show. Beyond the fact that we know that this is supposed to be an important character later, and so mm. we're watching something of an origin story is because they just use him for exposition, yeah. so like so literally, every time they're trying to get the viewer to understand anything about the broader context, they mm. just put it in the mouth of this like fourteen year old weirdo. yeah, and we're supposed mm. and we're supposed to just like move on with the flow of the show <laughs> as he explains to us what's yeah. happening, which, it is it i mean it like it completely breaks any sort of uh like dramatic tension that the show it has does, where yeah. we're just like okay yeah. well octavian is going to explain to us what's happening it has this like, almost Thank like you for
1: that. adam mckay like vibe to it whenever <laughs> it cuts to octavian because there's this bit in the in the plot where basically so octavian meanwhile is dispatched by uh um fucking what's her name uh milf Atia. Atia. Atia, right, yeah, to, <laughs> to deliver this. Wh- I'm just, yeah, she's titswoman. tits woman. Um, he, uh, yeah, it's to dispatch to deliver this white horse as a gift to Caesar Gaul, and she sends him with some slaves as bodyguards. Octavian correctly says this seems like a bad idea. Hasn't he just been fighting a whole war because this place is really dangerous? And she's like, nah, you'll be fine. He, of course, immediately gets set upon by some uh, brigands as they as they're later <laughs> described um and uh, and then eventually uh, Pullus, pullo and Verinus rescue him at which point he's doing a little like snot brat thing, like I'm immediately. I am a An Roman moment
0: of noble birth, sum cu yeah. ways Romanus me mm. me. <laughs>
1: But then he, it. but then and then Hate he it. starts Get doing the, the bit. exposition bit where he's like, Caesar cares not a hair for the eagle." So no interest in Caesar. In fact, it's useful to him that it's been stolen. And then and then somehow he's eating an apple, like yeah. this apple just <laughs> a bit. He's just biting an apple, and he's like, politics. You see, um. it's because,
0: the, it's because well, the quickest way to make yourself look like an absolute fucking jerk is to eat an apple. Mm. It's a, it's a
2: useful bit of characterization that along with the fact that interspersed in this conversation is him just beating a dying man to death mm. with a piece of with a piece of firewood. So like which is to be uh, to be honest, this show shines a lot more in those brief moments of characterization mm. than it does in a lot of the dialogue. Yeah, like there's uh like. The, the part where Polo is in his jail cell and he's promising, I'll sacrifice a fine white lamb if you get me out of this, or if I can't find one at a good price, six white pigeons. <laughs> that is That tells you everything you need to know about that character yeah. in that one little exchange, as mm-hmm. does the part where Octavian when released just immediately beats the guy to death. You're like, Oh, okay. I I understand something about how we're supposed to believe that you're wired way more than all of his bullshit political exposition does like you, like that's far more getting to the heart of the character, but also like, I I love the, the, this show spends time on those little moments, like the, like Polo negotiating with the gods for, for his life. Or when, when Verenus is having the, uh, the Gallic captives crucified, and these, st- they stick the guy up in the hole, and finally the guy confesses. Ah, here's where, here's where it is. Here's where it is. And it cuts to the guy who has been putting them on crosses and putting them up, and he's like, and, and Verena says, "Take them down," and the guy just rolls his eyes like, "Are you kidding? Me? <laughs> I just got them up here. Like this I've is." I've been doing dogs end. all morning. Then like, <laughs> you move me onto these Gallic fellers. i will just put him up. Now you want it down again. Yeah, those are, I I, th- I, think this show really shines in little mm. moments like that, where you're like, this is, because it gets you into the world, it pulls you in, Um, and like, I mean, there is some good dialogue, it's just yeah, not Octavian's dialogue. Yeah,
0: like, because mm. quite a lot, because obviously, like, and this is the first episode, so obviously they have to like, cram in quite a lot of complex technical historical information, and the only place they really can do it is through, like, is through the dialogue. And like, more often than not it's managed like perfectly okay but like whenever it winds up in the mouth of a character who cannot act like we Octavian there it ends up with him saying saying something some, something like because he he wants the Senate to vote him a triumph a triumph is when you arrive back in the city painted up as Jupiter <laughs> like yeah and it, it just felt a little bit like that and it does kick you out of it a, a little bit um I want to talk about uh, Varinus and Pullo because it, I think mm-hmm. I think it's a good aspect of this show that it very deliberately tries to kind of counter the great man of history stuff mm. by having these two men. And as we will find out, they are involved in a kind of tangential side, like sideway with every single significant event that happens in the show. So every single significant event that you're familiar with from Roman history. Mm i think that's a really really good idea i really dislike them as characters and whenever i whenever i watched them like all those years ago i kept thinking like okay fine but there's a reason that there is such a thing as the great man history theory of history and that's that great men are interesting these people are not interesting show me caesar this shit is not interesting shut the fuck up i don't care about your wife um but I appreciate that might not be Varinus the feeling is of everyone. Varinus
1: guy. I, I think, well, I think sort of Varinus is there to be like kind of like the voice of reason. Yeah. And Pullo is really the fun
0: character. <laughs> he is the fun character, but I don't like him either. I find, I just, I find him, I find him obnoxious.
1: Hmm. It's just interesting they've got this dynamic. Yeah, I sorry, mean, but
2: I, Oh yeah, no, so I, I feel like the the thing that was so clear to me rewatching this is like it, the first time I watched it through, I'm like, oh, these are these are our protagonists. These are our heroes. We're supposed to be like identifying with them and, and watch it and like following their actions. And as I'm watching it now, I'm like, they're not good guys. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I don't know why yeah. I thought they were mm-hmm. good guys. And like, I'm like, what was wrong with me that I thought they were good guys? We're watching it now. I'm like, the first time we're meeting. Vir- one of the first scenes with Verenus is him having mm. people crucified to get information out of them mm. and i'm like how could i have possibly like did i just not pay attention to the whole like nails through the hands thing like what was what was going on in I mean, my it's head framing isn't it they
1: didn't watching. show you they didn't show you him putting all the geese on little silken cushions you might have gotten a different impression
0: <laughs> <laughs> like, oh this seems like that's a nice true, guy he seems just re- geese. he just really cares for the geese <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah yeah like it I don't know why it didn't occur to me back in the day. I mean, maybe that's just like having been 20 and watching yeah. this for the first time uh, and like being a, a violent, oversexed, drunken mm-hmm. oaf um, mm. I as mean, I same. was back in the day. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I just think like it's it's easy in, in hindsight. It's like the the dynamics of the show. It's asking a lot more of the viewer than I remembered at first to like understand how you're going to watch it and who you're going to identify with and and who and ask who the good guys and the bad guys are like i think it asks much more interesting questions about how we think about history and and how mm. things happen um a lot of the times than it is as an actual human drama that you're supposed to watch as a tv show like it's got way more war and peace yeah. in it sometimes than i think makes it a good sh- an actual good mm. show
0: and i think that's i think there's an, like there's an interesting aspect of that as well which is that They've obviously like very much like picked and chosen what ancient sources they're going to be using for like for the characterizations, so like so obviously uh Octavian coming up with his little kind of oh well, Caesar wants to appear weak, so Pompey will get the nerve up to attack him, and then he hasn't attacked and then he hasn't struck first, and that's you know obviously supposed to indicate that this is like that this like little repulsive brat is like how is like housing one of one of the greatest political minds of all time fine mm. fair play i think it's interesting to uh, to have made atia a kind of a kind of sexy scheming sort of not quite villain like she's sort of she's sort of doing the best she can for herself and her family within quite limited parameters but this is very very different from the atia of historical sources like she's pretty much the only it's pretty much the only woman who Tacitus thinks is worth a damn, um, and like every every place that Atia comes up, it's about her being a uh, a kind of a, a good, quiet, devout Roman matron, producing producing heirs, left, right, and centre, mm. like etc. Doing sort of doing what she was supposed to. So I'm like I'm so I'm interested in this um, in this in this characterization. I'm interested in like the choices made. Around it, because they do seem much more interested in her and in Cecilia. Uh, Is that who Lindsay Duncan's playing?
1: Yeah, yeah, Brutus's mother. Yeah,
0: they seem yes. more interested in those in those two as the kind of as I suppose like kind of two sides two sides of a coin of kind of ro- of sort of like Roman mummies than they do than they than they seem particularly interested in like the big the big military and political. Yeah, heads. Although I mean that that's go- that's going to change as it goes on. But I was just like I was just, like interest. I was interested in that choice.
1: Sevilla's horny, but she's not getting any. This is like a big element. Sevilla there, is so.
0: horny. Yeah, I, I loved. I loved Camp Brutus.
1: This oh, is something yeah, that yeah, I I yeah. enjoyed.
0: Like I think it's really funny to make Brutus like just really like just like really sneery What's and his bitchy. His Tobias, Tobias Menzies.
1: Tobias Menzies. There we go.
0: Who I think is yeah. quite attractive. That's my thought on Tobias Menzies. I just
1: think Phoebe might have a time. <laughs>
2: <laughs> he plays essentially the same character in Game of Thrones, like basically exactly the same personality. Uh, so he's just like he, there's there's essentially no difference. He's still pretty mm. pretty much worthless. Uh, talks too much. Mm. Uh, doesn't yeah. really have anything valuable to add. Uh, the, the conversation he has with Pompey, I think it's in this episode where he's talking about how Pompey is lower class, but he's not really lower class is one of my favorite bits of like Roman snobbery ever. Cause I think, I feel like that really accurately captures the, like, how do, how do I talk to this guy that is not of an ancient family like me, but who is a general, what do, what do I say? And also I'm six cups of unwatered wine deep. How am I supposed to mm. how am I supposed to navigate this?
0: <laughs> so I so mm. I hear his father was in business. Mm.
1: <laughs> yeah, in the in in this respect. That,
0: that's the that's the vibe. And I I, I like it. The, the, I choice, the
1: choice to cast a bunch of Etonians in this was perfect because it does like yeah. I think the British the <laughs> British class system is the best modern lens with which to understand how insane the Roman upper classes were.
0: But I think that's interesting as well, just like Again, just based on um, his like historical representations of of Brutus, which like which normally kind of hinge on, uh, like his kind of fundamental decency and him wanting to do the best he can for the republic, and this is why he betrays Caesar, who has up until now been like a father to him, because he genuinely thinks it's the it's the right thing to do. Yeah. Oh, that's again, we don't we don't know if he thought that was the right thing to do, but he is depicted as being somebody who only has he Um, was a
1: good bloke calling out his mates exactly yeah listen no Caesar, mate that's unacceptable that's unacceptable
0: because we've had the republic it's not
1: cool actually we've
0: had the republic for since 753 and we have ways of doing things and that thing you've got in your head it's just not on i know you i know you rejected it i know you said no i don't want the crown but everyone knew that you wanted the crown so it's just not really on yeah, just not cricket. Just not cricket old man. Too,
1: too many blokes for too long have been saying you can march troops over the Rubicon but actually no one's ever asked well the Rubicon what it Also, thinks.
0: also, once you've crossed the Rubicon, then what do you do then? Can't go mm. back. No one recrosses the Rubicon. That's not an expression. No. Et cetera. That's right. So I yeah, so I think that's an interesting choice to make like Brutus this kind of like like bitchy little useless snob. I think that's like interesting. And I also think it's interesting how uh and I'm interested in hearing more from you about this, Pat. How like compared to other popular culture that shows this time period, it's very ideologically void. Mm-hmm. It's not particularly interested in putting over the, the decaying republic is something that should be preserved. It's not particularly interested in uh in criticizing the actions of the characters from either a moral, moral or a kind of more broadly politically ideological point of view. It's very, very different from like saying like gladiator mm. when there's all that like, Oh God, it made this, God, this makes me angry. Um, there's this there's bollocks about how Marcus Aurelius wanted to restore the Republic. And it's just like, and it's just like Hollywood Christian stuff. That's like, that's, that, that's why it's there. And like, if like, and there's something really similar, um, in the really, really long film version of Spartacus where, Spartacus is kind of is kind of a sort of Christ mm-hmm. figure, um, as opposed to just someone who simply did not care to be a slave anymore, which is you know probably fair enough. Um, but they're they're not they're not especially interested in getting you to think anything particularly about the period yep. or the people involved.
2: Yeah, and I I think that that's one of the show's great virtues in my mind mm. <clears throat> is that the and to me it goes back at a baseline level to them understanding the the norms and values of the world that like there's nobody here who's imagining a better world you know what i mean like that's the yeah. like all of the characters are explicitly shaped by mm. the the world around them like that is their worldview you understand where it's coming from and the choices that they make accurately reflect kind of the menu of cultural options that are available to them so mm. even and i think so the character's actions are driven by the world that they're in they're like thematically the themes, the themes are matching up with, uh, with, with things that people were actually doing and saying in the fifties and, Mm. and and early forties BC. And so when they make a choice, it's not because they're drawing on some timeless conception of freedom. They're drawing on their conception of legal rights as they existed. And, and if there is something timeless in that, it's that human self-interest is a thing. It's the way that people react when they feel like they're threatened. Um, the end, and I think most of all, like th- to me, the biggest theme of the show, and part of the reason why it doesn't have a lot of ideological content in that is that it, I think one of the core themes is entitlement and what what people think they're entitled to by yeah. virtue of who they are and what they're born into. And so when you f- when you phrase aristocratic privilege not as some timeless um, bulwark of republican virtue, but as um, but as a bunch of like fail son assholes thinking that they get to make decisions <laughs> for everybody, which is how they well, like, like Cato, nobody thinks Cato's uh, Cato doesn't seem like a good guy. Like Cornelius no. looks, it seems like an absolute or like Scipio seems like an absolute dipshit. Like yeah. Pompey. It,
0: Cato, Scipio, bunch of no talents with an ancestor. Yeah.
2: I, I mean, <laughs> that's like, that's kind of very explicitly the vibe they're going for. And Brutus too. Like again, yeah. The, and like, especially when we get later on and they're talking about his noble ancestor, it's like, but the way that we're introduced to Brutus is him being kind of a worthless dilettante who goes to see his boring cousin and then shows up in Caesar's camp and then brags about how tan he is and how it makes him look like a soldier. Like, that's not, like, there's no yeah. there's no conception of, like, inbred aristocratic virtue here. It's like these guys are, no. they're just kind of like rich dipshits who happen to they have him in.
1: Yeah, because his great-great-grandfather destroyed Carthage.
0: I'm sorry, the idea of Scipio being a Nepo baby, that's funny to me. Oh, yeah. That's a funny thing. <laughs> that's a funny thing. Oh, what, sorry, it's anybody look anybody care to look at Scipio's Wikipedia page blue highlights all along <laughs> yeah. all down there
1: and then you've got and then we've got they do do a very good job of portraying that's why Cicero he's in an indie <laughs> band now well. yeah that's right yeah I can imagine Scipio being in like Bastille um <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I could I could see that. Um also a band that could plausibly have a song called Carthage.
0: <laughs> Very plausibly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: Um yeah, the the characterization of Cicero is just kind of slightly camply, like kind of just, just the the bit where Pompey is making a speech and then like they're kind of heckling him because uh he's saying how they shouldn't worry about Caesar. Um and then and then Cicero is like calm down, everyone. Are we children? Mm. he's like, let the consul speak. Although if I might say a few words. The most powerful Cicero energy. Just a few things off the cuff, like unrolling like a scroll to the floor. Uh, just a couple of thoughts, really.
0: So my idea is, is that someone writes this down and then I can distribute it so you can listen to it at another time.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. God, he is a podcaster. He, he is.
0: is. He is. There's no there's no way around it. Oh um,
1: yeah, and he's got no editor. <laughs> he just he just <laughs> no, up- he does
0: not. uploads raw track
1: straight onto the hosting <laughs> he, service.
0: Yeah, he's he's raw dogging speech giving. For, <laughs> sure. For sure. That's pure pure Cicero nut. That like that Cicero thing,
2: that's one of the best moments in this episode because again it's like that tiny little bit of characterization where you're like oh this guy is just an insufferable dingus and mm-hmm. that's the mm-hmm. and, and like that's that 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 one little bit of dialogue gives us that perfectly um i felt the re-watching this like obviously pompey not a good guy i felt worse for pompey than i remembered i'm like oh he's He's kind of stupid like and mm. he's been, he's coasting on his past achievements and like basically what he had going for him in his. He doesn't even have his wonderful hair anymore. No, mm. huh? which sucks. Fuck. And it's the guy from Layer Cake um, who plays J-
1: Jimmy, the like the like the mob boss in Layer Cake. Mm-hmm. Good movie. Um, but it's, it's actually it's a very similar character. It's like a kind of dumb guy who kind of thinks he's in charge, but he's not really in charge because there's actually a guy who's more in charge. More in yeah. charge. Yeah. Um. And, the, and it's it's actually a very. This actor has been cast in two very similar roles, but in very different parts of history.
0: <laughs> I wish they'd started earlier. I'd like to have seen a Sulla and a Marius. I think that would have been made for some interesting. Hmm. Sorry, Pat, I interrupted you. No, 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 talking no. About Pompey's
2: orange quiff No, I mean he's like Pompey. Poppy definitely a worse guy in his youth than this. I think we're kind of supposed to see him as a sympathetic character where mm. it, they're like, you don't think he's a good guy exactly. But you're like, if you're faced with Caesar's overwhelming ambition, like his actions kind of make sense. And you're like, yeah, you know, I probably wouldn't yeah. want that either. Um, but he is just kind of it, like he seems like a born loser in this contest. Like we're never meant to understand that he's really got a chance.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm.
1: There is a kind of there is a sort of Democrats and Republicans vibe going on with this sort of era of Roman politics where you kind of like the sort of the Cicero's of the of the of the world are kind of like the Democrats in that like they're sort of they're sort of in the right but they're also like they're so out of touch with reality and they're so annoying. And then, like, kind of, they're just yeah.
0: not like, yeah, gleaming coal-eyed psychos. Yeah,
1: and then the, Caesar like kind the of patricians. has this sort of like Trump-like quality where you are like, oh, "Well, he is no, fun."
0: I disagree. I'm pro- <laughs> no, I'm pro Caesar. <laughs> I'm pro Caesar. Always have been. Well, what's
1: your problem with Donald
0: Trump? What's your problem with Caesar? That's what I <laughs> want to know. We do not have Caesar slander on this mm. show. I do have something else to say. Okay. Just go. It's going back to something that Pat said earlier about. um about like the concept of freedom and sort of other kind of other kind of overarching uh sort of high sort of kind of high like high-handed like ideals that the show uh just very step like just very deliberately uh ignores and doesn't and doesn't sort of invest itself with it's actually quite consistent with like roman philosophical thinking because like at least part of like the kind of the roman conception of liberty was you have liberty your liberty is to follow the laws and to vote and to vote in elections that's your liberty that's what you got you know take 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 it or leave it like the idea of there being any kind of innate human freedom or innate human liberty was completely alien to them and that's i think is and that i think is expressed very well in like in, in the kind of the tone and ethos of the show.
1: All right. Listen, the average Roman citizen can watch more dog crucifixions in a week <laughs> than an ancient Greek could have seen in his entire lifetime.
0: That's, I mean, that's true.
2: That, if that's not freedom, I don't know what is. Are we talking about quality of life here? Like that's, uh, you know, that's that's an important component. <laughs> mm. No, I, I mean, I think, uh, if you, I think you raise a really good point there. And it's clear to me in making this show, like, the the people who were doing the writing and who were thinking about the themes and who were plotting it out like they they were steeped in the material in a way that is not necessarily true of like the people who made gladiator right like gladiator yeah. is very obviously like a reading of modern politics onto an action movie set that just happens to be set in nature. Rome. It is a period piece yep. and not a historical drama, mm. like a period piece in the sense that like they got costumes and like, they're talking in the way that you would imagine somebody to talk in the past. And like, you know, it, it yeah. look it looks like it belongs in that period, but it, it in no way reflects the actual values or ethos of the period. Mm. And I think that like whatever Rome doesn't get right about historical details, whatever flaws it has as a, uh, as an actual TV show. And there are many um, mm-hmm. that I'm sure. The we'll- MILF hadn't been invented yet, yeah. for example. Well, well, so, I mean, Polly Walker is kind of the er prestige TV MILF looking back on it. Like, mm-hmm. I don't mm-hmm. think you can have a yeah, Cersei yeah, yeah. Lannister without without Polly Walker in this. No, no. No, no. no, 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 no. I, like, there's something, there's, she, she was blazing some very important um, Prestige TV MILF ground, which uh, I think we <laughs> should celebrate. But yeah, I, I think, like, the... This is this is kind of a uh, this show is in some some deep way, an homage to getting out of your own head and your own concepts of what of what's right and what's wrong. And like taking seriously the idea that other people believe other things and then following that premise through to build a whole world out of it, which is a lot easier said than done. And they do it really effectively and in a lot of different ways. I mean, like the scene, again, like a little tiny thing. But when Octavian just like slaps the slave who touches him and Mm. like or when they're, you know, you hear the moaning in the background as they're driving the slaves into the pen. And the the ones and Caesar's head slave is like discussing pricing with the really seedy looking slave trader. Like there's there's a kind of a background noise of human misery. In this show, yeah, that and you get and it makes very clear from the very beginning that all of these nice things that these people have are built on exploitation and yeah. bad things happening to other people, and that they're not just comfortable with that; they think that's how things are supposed to be.
0: They think that's fine. Yeah, mm-hmm. they're they good. they to actively good with it. I think you know, honestly, I think that that is the problem I have with Verena and Polo mm-hmm. as characters. Because I think that there's something a little bit dishonest about elevating these two ordinary characters into the protagonists of the show, because it almost like it almost neuters the backdrop of exploitation yeah. and misery. Because it's sort of saying, oh yeah, but also these two probably nothing's going to happen to them because they're kind of the main characters. Um, these two have been kind. These two have been allowed to uh, sort of sort of transcend. Mm -hmm. that and have been made into as important characters as the people that you know about and i think that that's like slightly cowardly as a narrative decision Mm
2: -hmm. oh i i think you're absolutely right because they um were shown very early on uh, or at least we're were, they're supposed to be framed by the kind of strictures of their world right like the the, Mm that the first Our first seeing of Polo is him getting yanked, literally getting yanked back into line. (laughs) So, like Mm -hmm. we're supposed to understand that there's this these frameworks. And then immediately those two characters are pushed beyond the frameworks, right? Like they're taken out of the camp, they're taken Mm -hmm. out of the legionary life. And then in future episodes, you know, their their involvement with the kind of structured world of Roman authority is tenuous at best. So like they're Mm -hmm. so it makes them un- it makes them more fun i think more fun as protagonists in a show sense and it also makes them less representative of an actual t- yeah. of the actual time period
0: and also they can do because they can do more with these characters because they're not they're not constrained by historical fact mm-hmm. um so they can pretty much have these characters do pretty much anything within like within like certain kind of you know constraints of realism but for example like we like I think one of the reasons that uh Pompey strikes us as a as a pathetic figure is because we know what's going to happen to him yeah. um mm. and i think it's I think it's like good for historical fiction to put in some characters that you actually you can't just look up what what happens mm. to them, and so there is like a kind of there's still some kind of like conflict and peril mm-hmm. there, and mm. I think that's p- probably quite a good way of doing it, but i yeah, think yeah. it does i think it does water down the point that they're making a little bit, which is that this uh this the structural authority and the nice lives of people is built on the backs of ordinary people Mm -hmm. in a very explicitly violent way i think
1: what's quite fun about the Verinus and as characters is that they have their sort of own class dynamic going on between the two of them yeah because Verinus is a is a centurion (laughs) which i guess is like Somewhere in the modern equivalent between being like a kind of like gr- grizzled owner. <laughs> grizzled colour sergeant who's been in the army for like twenty years, or like a kind of young junior officer kind of thing, and then Pullo is like a sort of like a thuggish kind of grunt. And then but Pullo is this huge guy and Varenus is a small guy. But you get that fun dynamic where Pullo breaks the line in the and then they end up they're dragging back and they have this little fight and Pullo hits him. And then Varinus just shunts him in the stomach with his shield and then, like, clocks him around the head. And there's this kind of thing, like, yeah, you might be a big guy, but I've been in the army for 20 fucking years, <laughs> kind of. And then similarly, like, now Polo you thinks calm Varinus down. is You posh. calm
0: down, Polo. <laughs> calm down, you yeah. behave yourself.
1: <laughs> yeah, like, terrifying little guy is <laughs> such an army down. energy. Yeah. Yeah, the, yeah. Little, the little sinewy so,
0: fuckers. Yeah, wiry little psychos.
1: Yeah. Um, uh, that's
0: one of the
2: things that's super enjoyable about the two of them as characters, whatever their flaws is that they are both deeply Roman types of guy. Mm. Like that there's that you can, I, I like that. If you're thinking about a Roman army camp, there would absolutely be Lucius Verinus there. Right. Who's like, who's bitching and moaning about how they're not doing things the way they used to do it in the time of his ancestors and how his ancestors fought at Zama and <laughs> like all of this, like, just like, yeah, oh, so your people have been have been killing foreigners for centuries. Like, that's that's your family accomplishment. Like, good for you, man. Like, yeah, well I'm, I'm glad that you take pride in that. And whereas Polo has no idea who his father is. Hey, probably an Ubian. Yeah, that's, that sounds right. Like, mm. I I ride. I ride well. Um, and so you have uh, they're. Like on the one hand, you have this like gutter thuggery, which is what Pullo is, which is what Polo represents. And the other, like the kind of high minded uh, Republican tradition. And what both of those things lead to is them killing inordinate numbers of people who don't speak their language. Yeah. Like that's that you have. You have two very different paths to roughly the same outcome, which mm. is Romans doing bad things to other people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: But Varinus kind of thinks of Pullo as doing it in a kind of uh, you know um, uh, unmannered way. way, yeah. yeah. <laughs>
2: um,
1: and it's so funny that little bit where uh, uh, Pullo is like, "Well, what? Since I'm dead anyway, what's to stop me just killing you and running off?" And then and then Varinus, without a hint of irony, he says, "Like, well, your sense of honor to the Thirteenth Legion."
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That is good. That is a good bit of characterization. That is. Yeah.
1: Yeah. But and it's also funny, I think, to see this kind of like uh, class dynamic playing out, where there he is kind of going like, "I'm posher than you. You're you're a fucking thug." Uh, Meanwhile, like there are all the like the Caesar and Co in the kind of stratosphere who aren't thinking about them at all. (laughs) Like who are calling Pompey working class, you know, like that.
2: (laughs) Well, when when Brutus is like, he's he's a touch vulgar, er, or when he's talking about Mark Antony, (laughs) Uh, no no family at all. <laughs> that's a great one. I mean, the okay, so one of the all time great entrances for any character in any TV show is when Mark Antony walks in and he says, Brutus, be old cock. <laughs> like, yeah. that's that is absolutely Does he slap him on the ass perfect. as well. i seen there was something of that nature,
0: it's- that sort of thing. Yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah, definitely some uncomfortable physical contact that Brutus was not looking for. He like,
1: asks Brutus how his mother is, and then immediately interrupts him uh, and starts <laughs> talking about something
0: else. It's interesting as well, um, from a from like a pop cultural perspective. I think the character of Mark Antony has, like, in terms of kind of like lenses of reception, has uh, has really, really benefited from the fact that like an entire generation of people grew up associating him with the young Marlon Brando. Um, because like like I rem- like I remember when I started doing Roman history and like I had like residual fondness for, for Mark Antony, like whenever we like, Oh, well, Mark Antony, Mark Antony's a he's a he's a gorgeous creature, isn't he? But it's because I had this picture in my head Look of him. how they
1: massacred my wife.
0: But that's like <laughs> that's, that's that's young Brando. He didn't start talking like that until loads later. Mm. Loads later. Fine. Have you ever seen that? production of um Caesar with Brando as Mark Antony. No, I haven't. Good.
1: so as as Alice informed us the other day, who was it who said about Brando that he was the kind of guy who'd fuck a mailbox?
0: This has come <laughs> up before.
1: Yeah no Alice was telling us on the oh, podcast. Right, okay. I think it was Quincy Jones but, who said that. Oh
0: okay. Yeah
2: mm. there well there's the great story that he that um uh that Brando was uh, having an, uh, was having sex with Richard Pryor while Brando was under surveillance by the FBI. So mm. there is a so there is an audio tape somewhere out there uh, in the uh, presumably in an FBI archive of Brando blowing out Richard Pryor's back. Amazing like, that, that just is a thing that it, that's just a thing that exists
0: Incredible. somewhere in the world. It's a weird thought that Trump's probably seen that.
2: Oh, Oh, one hundred percent.
0: That'd be the first thing I'd do if I, in the unlikely event of me being elected FBI. president, I'd be like right, okay. <laughs> Alright, what's the weirdest what's shit you got? What's the weirdest shit you can show me? Weirdest and hottest. We'll start with weird. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, JFK who did that? <laughs> First of all
0: <laughs> First of all, some, <laughs> oh, one of you knows. There, one of you
2: Okay, there's there's a 0% chance that Donald Trump was president for four years and didn't get multiple presentations on JFK. <laughs> like, just purely to satisfy his own kind of lizard-brained curiosity. Mm. Like We've mm. had to necromance Ta- Jim Garrison.
0: <laughs> <laughs> the US got
2: more heavy woolly.
1: <laughs> That's what we want.
0: That's what we want.
1: Yeah, ancient Rome, Jim Garrison.
0: There you okay, go. no, stop that. You stop that this minute. <laughs> <laughs> it's too early in this series for that. all <laughs> <Cato> the Younger <laughs> would. <laughs> stop it.
1: Yeah, no. <laughs> There's something, something to be had there. Um yeah, I'm trying to think if there are any important plot beats in this episode that we haven't covered. Oh, Attia tries to marry off Octavia to Pompey.
0: And it fails.
1: Um, but not before. She's insistent that he can sort of try before he buys and fuck Octavia. And she's like, like right now, for example, and Octavia's looking at, they've got Octavia kind of made up like a clown, mm. which is at least a bit host- historically authentic. Um, yep. They love being more super arsenic. White, More arsenic, yeah. Um, and so, uh, yeah, she has sex <laughs> with Pompey. He, do- he does some kind of like lechy looks. Um, and then he goes off and marries uh, Colpurnia instead mm. um, and then there's this great scene where Attie is like if you'd sucked him off a bit better we wouldn't be in this situation <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> why couldn't you listen to your old ma yeah the the part where where Ati is trying to sell Octavia on it and she's like I'm told he's a perfectly competent lover <laughs> like <laughs> That's the, like that, like that's your selling point. Like that, he's like he's he he's a reasonably decent dick slinger. Like that's Yo, how we're Pompey gonna get Magnus you Magnus By Pompey. name, Pompey Magnus. By mm-hmm. nature,
1: he's laying pipe out here. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, He he's laying whole hypercourse in the pussy. For
0: God's sake, <laughs> Jesus! God.
2: Yeah. Oh my God! That's
1: the thing is, Roman men were laying a uh, lead pipes, So they had to be cumming continuously Or if the cum stayed stagnant in the penis It would become poisonous Yep. Reference to the Roman yeah, no, water uh, system yeah, No, no, no,
0: no Again, the issue <laughs> not was, yet, no, was not lack of comprehension <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> Roman Ooh. men's dicks were just like a fire hose <laughs>
2: Oh, like, well, I mean, could you, could you imagine the kind of uh, the kind of sexually transmitted diseases that your actual that your average upper class Roman man was going to pick up over the course of his life? Because, oh, yeah. again, like as as with Marlon Brando, just just would fuck a mailbox. Yeah. Roman mm. upper class Roman men would have sex with anything like yeah. so. Like, I mean, that's got to like just the imagine the disease ecology of an upper class Roman man's genitals. I mean, we're talking about some, <laughs> just a disgusting um, array of bacteria and viruses.
0: But do you think at mm. that point it was it was sort of like a, like a like kind not know like Ronnie Wood or sort of Keith Richard where like if they stop taking drugs, they will die because they are just <laughs> like held together with chemicals. Mm. So maybe like mm-hmm. the only thing that was like keeping them upright was just like being riddled.
2: Yeah, no. We we've got to pick up that new strain that's in from Illyria. Yeah, otherwise, otherwise big <laughs> trouble. Yeah, big trouble.
1: I'm <laughs> gonna get that. I hear, I hear the Cappadocians are moving with some funky gonorrhea. We gotta
0: funky yeah, gonorrhea. Gotta bring that in. Well, that's worse than what I was gonna say, which was something about big trouble and little vagina. Well, <laughs> but that's I don't know. I'm not happy yeah. with it. You can gonna delete that funk, if you like. Funk
1: the goose on the Capitoline Hill.
0: She honked on my goose. <laughs> Until I capitalised, right, right, <laughs> right. <That is laughs> so there nice. we go. Yeah. Um. I don't think there are any further plot yeah. points. I think yeah, I'm the episode
1: hap- kind of winds up with uh, Verinus and Polo rescue Octavian, and they also retrieve the eagle, which they discover has been stolen by a slave of Pompey Magnus mm. and his slaves who are kind of posing as Gauls. So it's I'm a kind actually... of false flag. Yeah. It's a full. It's a false flag operation. It's
0: with f- <clears throat> an actual flag. Yeah, yeah. A, false, a false eagle. Um,
1: yeah, um, and th- this this was the point at which my friend said, "Oh, it's not it's not a it's not a live eagle." Not a
0: live eagle. Yeah, um,
1: great, amazing stuff. Um, yeah. So anyway, uh, yeah, and then so then uh, in in a in a foreshadowing, let's say of events to come, Caesar ships Pompey the head of this guy, and it's like one of yours? Question mark.
0: That is a bit of foreshadowing.
1: Yeah. Let's just just say Pompey Magnus could have been the inspiration for the film Seven. That's right. Mm. What is in the box?
0: What is in the box? Yeah. Who knows? No one will ever know. Giving
1: giving a very bad TripAdvisor rating for his holiday in Egypt. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So that's episode one of That's
0: that's episode one. I think I'm happy that we've uh, covered everything that we need to cover. I think so. Do
1: we have any final comments or thoughts?
2: Yeah. So... (sighs) It's weird watching this after like two decades of prestige TV. Mm, That's the, like, because there's stuff that looking back on it seemed. Like I like I couldn't believe that they were doing it in a TV show at the time. Like I because I think this was actually the first like prestige TV series mm. that I watched. Like I don't think I had watched I hadn't watched The Sopranos. I hadn't watched The Wire. Like by the when I started mm. watching this, so I'm like I didn't know that that was stuff that you could do on TV. Sure, and I remember that being You've like never seen
1: a MILF before. No, I, well,
2: well, no I, one
0: has. I'd seen no, <laughs>
2: I'd I'd never seen a MILF on uh, on TV. Only on much smaller screens at that <laughs> point. <laughs> the yeah. uh, the so, uh, so I, it you was only just get like some game boy advance in those days <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness um yeah no game boy yeah it was i we're, we're talking game boy color i'm i'm older than a game boy advance oh i had a game boy uh, color.
1: Hell yeah back in the
2: day yeah yeah i found mine the last time i was home i'm like what am i supposed to do with this now i mean, do the batteries still work do they make batteries for mm. a game boy color my
1: polly walker titties cartridge in there and
2: just let's let's see if it still runs (laughs) (laughs) blowing some dust off the old girl (laughs) uh still works still works can confirm Mm -hmm. uh the but no it's just weird like after watching you know two decades of prestige tv where so many of the things that they did in rome which i now know were things that had been done on the sopranos Mm -hmm. and and the wire before that like where That now seems de rigueur, but at the time it was like, oh, like we're kind of breaking new ground in terms of what you can do in a TV show, in the sets too, right? Like, that was not stuff you were seeing in TV shows, you know, 15, 18 Mm. years ago. And so it's worth kind of treating it as an artifact of its age. Like, that it is a kind of a, a representative of a past age of making TV, even as it's like the first thing or one of the first things in a new kind of wave. Um I just thought that was interesting that it to to think of it in that way is like oh this yeah. is makes me feel really fucking old but also like yeah it doesn't feel yeah. as glossy as it did
1: at the time No sure mm-hmm. it's it's
0: it's well, it's all part of the historiography is it not mm. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh,
1: yeah Yeah Well um we'll be we'll be coming back very soon for episode 2 uh where we can find out What happens to eagles? Next week. (laughs) Next week.
0: (laughs) Where is the eagle? Is it an eagle?
1: (laughs) Will Octavian ever lose his virginity? All all questions. All
0: great questions.
1: Great questions. Um, Well, thank you very much for listening, and we will see you soon for episode two. Bye bye. Bye
0: bye.